Christ and magnify the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, somebody tell him I'm not turning back. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost in this building tonight. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost in this building tonight. I was on the edge of the platform a moment ago before I walked up, and I've done nothing but talk to God leading up to this event. But something came over me a moment ago, and out loud I said, Devil, you're about to have a bad, bad night. I wish you'd throw your hands up in this building and magnify the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, if you know he's worthy, just magnify the name. I'm gonna wait on you, Lord. Not turning back from you, Lord. Nobody like you, Jesus. What an honor it is for me to stand in front of such a powerful group of young men and young women, apostolic leaders. There is more than enough power in this house to make hell very nervous. I turn your attention tonight to Esther chapter 5. I publicly give honor to my pastor, to the leaders and the covering in my life, to our incredible youth ministries team, to my family, my beautiful and godly wife, Rachel, and my amazing four children. I honor every youth group that has taken the time and invested the resources to be here. I say a public thank you to every pastor and every youth pastor that has worked hard to get a group to St. Louis, Missouri. I honor you and I pray God blesses you abundantly. I know that you could have taken them somewhere else, maybe a little bit cheaper, but I, I believe with every fiber of my being that there's going to be callings released on this place and that we're going to release a whole group of soul winners, about 37,000 of them to be exact. And you're going to go home and make a great difference for the kingdom of God. Esther chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, whether you're looking at the screen, looking at your Bible, looking at your app. It came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, over against the gate of the house. And it was so. When the king saw Esther the queen sitting in the court, that she obtained favor. Everybody say favor. 
Yeah, she had favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And Esther drew near and she touched the top of that scepter. And then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be even given to the half of the kingdom. It's with this narrative that the Lord has deposited into my spirit that I rise on the first night to preach to you what I feel is my mandate from heaven. I'm not here to preach my kingdom come. I'm here to preach thy, thy kingdom come. Would you throw your hands one more time towards heaven? And would you pray with me all over this building in the mighty, in the only saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would anoint my lips to be as the pen of a readied writer. That I might preach with wisdom and with clarity under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray for the ears, the brain, and the heart of every individual in this room. Do a work that only you can do. Help it to resonate not only in the response of our ears and our mouths, but let it be with the response of our lives. I pray blessing upon this room. Give us liberty in the Holy Ghost. Help me to preach it like I feel it and help them to respond like I know you want them to. In the mighty and the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you feel that way and you're ready to preach with the preacher on the first night, I want you to shout right now with everything you've got. may be seated now we were only children when we learned regardless of the country you're from regardless of political makeup regardless of any of those issues, you came to the same recognition that I did when I was a kid. Being a king is an okay thing. Being a king is a powerful thing. When I was a kid, they taught me how to play checkers. Anybody ever play checkers? Yeah. I used to love saying, king me. For thousands of you in this building, and especially lately, you're reminded, but if I would say Simba to you, you'd still think about the Lion King. When we were kids, we used to love playing a game, especially when it would snow outside. We'd climb up a hill, and all we would do is wrestle in a different location, but we'd call it King of the mountain. You ain't ever had a good day like the day you threw your buddy down a hill. <laughs> I have found out everybody wants to be the king. And you watch it in the news. You watch it in, in society. Everybody wants to be the king of something. 
Some of you getting a little older, a little more mature. Some of you getting a little more health conscious. Some of you spending a little bit too much money at Smoothie King. Because you needed those vegetables and fruit pureed for $10. Come by my place. I'll give you something close for cheaper. I'll take your money. But let's be honest. Some of you aren't spending too much time at Smoothie King. Some of you are spending too much time at Burger King. (laughs) Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to smile so big they see every tooth you own legally. And I want you to tell them these words, okay? You are not my king. Come on, some of you girls get a little sassy. Just tell them, you're not the king. But now, following that, I want you to tell them, but you are part of a very important kingdom. And so I echo again, I am here tonight on clear mandate from heaven for one reason and one reason alone. And that is to try and get everybody in this building in agreement. I want the King of Kings to have his kingdom come in my life. In order to do this, If you will allow me, I want to tell you a little bit about this story, the story of Esther. Some of you are more aware than others, but let's look at it just a little bit. There was a king by the name of Xerxes who had a vast kingdom from India to Ethiopia. His official title as emperor actually could have been translated that he was on the earth the king of kings. But we're going to talk about the real king of kings tonight he himself was not the oldest son but he was the chosen son of Darius the great he had this wife named Vashti and in the middle of the party some of you might remember Xerxes calls for Vashti and she refused to come before the presence of the king Can I tell you it's a dangerous thing when you go from a royal robe to a robe of entitlement Can I tell you it's a dangerous thing when you decide that you'll come to the king's presence when you want to come to the king's presence? His his officials got all nervous. All the guys in the kingdom started saying, what if my wife starts acting that way? They devised a plan. So let's find from all the provinces and the regions, let's find a, a pure young lady. And so they begin to call and they begin to reach. And in that search, you know it, it, it got a book named after her. There was a young woman named Esther who was being raised by her cousin Mordecai. Esther was brought in and by what was the direct result of God's favor, she finds favor with a chamberlain named Haggai. 
After this long process of preparing herself to go in before the king, it's important to note that when Esther went in, she had the favor of Haggai and she followed his instruction because he knew what the king would be pleased with. And so when Esther goes in before the king, she takes nothing outside of what Haggai has told her to take. In this parallel, theologians would tell you, Esther is the church and the chamberlain is the word. And I would tell you that that is still the same. You don't need anything outside of what the word says you need to give you favor in the presence of the king. You don't have to doctor yourself up to make him love you more. You need to do what the word tells you to do. And as the story goes on, Esther comes before the king and she does find favor in the king's presence. Verse 17 says, in fact, that he placed a crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti because God will replace entitled people. She walked in a young Jewish girl but she walked out the queen. She didn't even have parents in the picture anymore. But I'm going to pause at the beginning of this message to tell everybody in this building, your parents do not determine who you are. The king determines who you are. I'm apart there for a moment. It doesn't matter if your parents are not even in the church yet. That's not what qualifies you to the ministry. I don't care if your dad is still a drunk and your mom hasn't been home in years. I'm sorry that they're not here and I pray God will put it back together. But it's not their favor that qualifies you in the kingdom. It will be one word and one word alone. It's got to be the favor of the king if you believe that I want you to magnify the name of the Lord in this house but now as you know every good story needs a villain I want you to look at somebody you haven't talked to yet and I want you to prepare to yell at them a little bit some of y'all got excited. I could feel it. Just been waiting on it. I want you to look at him. Here's what I want you to yell. I want you to yell, hey, man. Yeah. Find somebody else. Yell at him. Say, hey, man. That's the guy who came on the scene, Haman. <laughs> I had you do that because this guy loved attention. He craved attention. Everywhere he went, he wanted attention. Carnal people are like that. Can I tell you a little something about Haman? The truth is, he should have never existed in the first place. His mama was an agite. 
Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Saul was supposed to kill them years ago, but Saul kind of got this inclination. Well, I'll let what I think is okay live. Can I tell you, when you let a little bit of sin live now, it'll turn into a big problem later? I just got one CD left. I, I, I just got one movie left. I just... Oh, you're not going to help me, I guess, this early. I'm telling you right now, a little bit of sin will manifest into a big problem later. And I promise you this. If this generation chooses to let it live, it'll affect the generation coming behind you. But we're not going to let it live, are we? Haman's ancestry was tied to the destruction of God's people. And he gets enraged when he sees her cousin Mordecai not bow before him. Here comes Mordecai walking out. Hey man, thanks. Surely he knows my position. And Mordecai just stands there. Because Mordecai, Mordecai already knew who his God was. He had already made up his mind. He wasn't going to bow to the opinions of men. Let me just try to reach to everybody in the building and get you to understand something. Thank God the elder did not bow. We can rejoice about 37,000 in this room, but the only reason we're here tonight is because somewhere along the way, the elder did not bow. I'm going to tell you why I'm preaching what I'm preaching, because the elder did not bow. I'm going to tell you why we're singing what we're singing, because the elders did not bow. Why we're feeling what... Why we're feeling what we're feeling is because the elder did not bow. You ought to lift your hands and lift your voice and thank God for an elder that refused to bow. Thank God that the elder did not bow. You ought to thank God for somebody in your life whose convictions do not change when their crowd does. As a result of his frustration, old Haman formulates a plan, deceives and brings the, kid in, the king into agreement. He's going to have a genocide of the Jewish people. You got Mordecai who finds out he's lost in sackcloth and ashes. He's at the king's gate. He's wailing for the report that's gone out, the destruction of the Jewish people. When Esther hears about it at this time, she had already begun to live in the palace. And man, it's nice living in the palace. It's nice living in the palace. She found out about it. Mordecai's at the gate. He's got sackcloth and ashes. She runs to him. She's concerned about how this is going to look. 
Why would you be doing this, Mordecai? It's a dangerous thing when you become related but not really connected. Mordecai has to kind of remind her, what's it really matter if you live in the palace if you never get in his presence? Why are you looking for an answer? You're the answer. Can I tell you, I'm not looking for the answer. I'm looking at the answer. Oh, some of y'all didn't catch that. I'm going to say it again. I'm not looking for an answer to get churches planted across the face of North America. I'm looking at the answer. I'm not looking for an answer to have revival in our high schools and on our college campuses. I'm not looking for an answer. I'm looking at the answer. You ought to look around and when it hits you, you ought to shout a little bit. When you recognize the answer's not on the way, the answer is here right now. Give somebody a high five. Tell them you're the answer. I know it's more comfortable to attend service than it is to be at all night prayer meeting. But I don't want to get content to just live in the palace. I got to get in his presence. I understand that pizza parties are more more fun than it is to get together in fasting. But I want to get in his presence, not just in the palace. Uh Uh-huh. So Esther works with Mordecai. She says, fine, I'm going to do what I've been taught to do. What we as God's people have been taught to do. Before I go to the king, here's what I want. I want you to get the people. And I want you to get the people in unity. Get them in the same mind. Get them in the same frame of mind. And get those people on a fast. Can I get a witness in the house? Just be honest with me. You don't really like fasting. Unless it's a fast fast. Some of y'all fast every day from the time you lay down to the time you get up. I know this is old school for just a minute, but if it's okay, this is how I was brought up and this is how I believe. There are still some things that only occur. It was not just in Esther's day, but it's in our day right now. I would even say maybe more now needed than ever before. We've got to have prayer and we've got to have fasting. We need a unified effort of prayer and we need unified fasting. I don't believe there's a devil in hell bad enough. I don't believe there's a sickness too great. I don't believe there's a Haman too large. When God's people get together and we begin to pray and we begin to fast, I believe that everything is possible. If you believe it, shout amen. They start praying, they start fasting, they get in unity. And Esther kind of walks in. She hadn't been summoned. She hadn't been called for. But she decided that she wasn't going to let ritual keep her from her right. 
And she wasn't going to let what other people said keep her from getting into the king's presence. She puts on her royal apparel and she walks in and she stands in the inner court. In the inner court. Getting before the presence of the king. And when she stood there before the throne, I've got to tell you it's amazing. She considered her position before she attempted her petition. She got herself in a position to be blessed. So that then when the time came, she could ask what she had positioned herself for. If you're called to be a preacher, position yourself to be a preacher. If you're called to be a missionary, I charge you in the Holy Ghost, position yourself to be a missionary. It was because she entrusted the instruction of the elder that she steps out in faith and she finds the favor of the king for the second verse says that he held out that golden scepter to her. Watch this now. Xerxes asked her twice. In verse 3 and in verse 6, he said, What is your petition and what is your request? Not one time. He says it twice as if they were separate, as if they were meant to be something individually of each other. What is your petition and what is your request? What is it you want? What is it you need? And in verses 7 and 8, Esther looks at the king and she said, I want to tell you something. My petition and my request are the same thing. Let me pause right here and tell you this. When what you want and what you need finally come into unity, it will give you an undeniable favor from the king in your life. I know you may want some things, but you also know that you need some things. What I'm praying happens at this youth congress is that we get what we want and what we need to come into alignment. Because at the end of the day, really all I need and all I want is the favor of the king on my life. My petition, my request are the same thing. Watch this. Esther invites Xerxes and oh hey man to a banquet that she's already started preparing. Read it. She already started preparing the banquet. You ought to believe that what you ask is going to happen. She started preparing for it in advance. They both agree. Haman leaves smiling. Woo! Got invited to another banquet. I'm the king's man. Me and him, like this. Walks out. Listen, he just got invited to the banquet by the king and barely gets out of the gates and Mordecai doesn't bow before him. He goes from all that excitement to furious. He leaves the palace mad and goes home, starts sucking his thumb, pouting, talking to his wife and his friends. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I hate that guy. 
You better be careful who you vent to when you leave the palace. I'm telling you, the attributes of Satan were in Haman. I said the attributes of Satan were in Haman. He wasn't mad that Mordecai didn't bow before the king. He was mad that Mordecai didn't bow before him. Your favor with the king is not about you. Your favor with the king is for the people. But he lost that. He, he lost sight of that. He wanted to be reverenced. He wanted to be bowed to. Does it sound like Lucifer to anybody else? He wanted to be worshipped. Can I tell you, he hated. It's not like he didn't like it. It's not like he sent a couple mean texts to people. He hated that Mordecai wouldn't bow before him. And he hated that Mordecai had committed to only serving one God. And here's why I tell you, you better be careful who you, who you vent your frustrations to. It was not Haman's idea to build the gallows. Read the scripture. He went home and started venting to his wife and friends, and they convinced him to build the gallows. Let me pause here right now. I'm going to tell you something. Be careful about evil people that will live vicariously through your life. They don't have a spiritual bone in their body and you start venting frustration to them. They'll do things that they don't have the strength to do on their own and live vicariously through your life. They are not your supporter. They are early guests to your funeral. I don't know why everybody always wants to bring the gossip to me. I, I don't know why everyone wants to bring the trash to me. My kid's seven years old and he knows where to take the trash to. Be careful when you share your frustrations from the palace. Now that night, I'm not sure exactly why outside of it must have been ordained by God. But for some reason, Xerxes Tylenol PM hadn't quite kicked in and he couldn't get to sleep. Maybe he was thinking about the banquet and he called for the Chronicles of the Kingdom and he starts to read, starts to go through it. And while reading, he finds out about this man by the name of Mordecai who had actually saved his life when there was an attempt to be made against King Xerxes by a couple of men. I love, I don't know what part of it is about me, but I love that Haman thinks he's talking about him when the king calls him in and says, Haman, how do you think I should honor a man that's, that's really worthy of kingdom honor? Haman says, well, I, I know what I, I think you should do. <laughs> Here he is again with these attributes of Satan. He said, I'd, I'd put the king's clothes on him. Not, not a nice robe from the closet. Not something that's never been. I think you should put the king's garment on him. Why don't you give him the king's horse? I think you should give him the king's crown. Bring him through the city for everybody to see. All the while... 
Haman has a mental image of himself with the king's robe on the back of the king's horse, wearing the king's crown, going down the street. Can you imagine what it must have been like when Haman hears the cheers and there his arch enemy, Mordecai, But you better hear me well tonight. The devil always hates anybody that gets the favor of the king. I've come to a realization over the last year. It's not that the devil doesn't like me. The devil hates me. But I've got a revelation for him. I'm okay with the fact that he hates me because it lets me know that I've got the favor of the king. Man, I'm going to stop right here and preach to somebody. If you've been fighting all kinds of distress and you've been coming all kinds of anxiety and depression and all kinds of weariness and you've been thinking, I can't take this battle anymore, I'm going to tell you what it is. The enemy hates you. But I'm going to tell you, take the depression off. You ought to rejoice in that. It's because you've got the favor of the... I'm not just anybody. I'm a child of the king. I don't have just any favor. I've got the favor of the king. You know what? We're going to take a minute and just rejoice in this building because we got the favor of the king. Come on, you ought to do it like you're giving the devil a bad night. You ought to do it like you're putting the devil under your feet. I refuse to listen to his lies. I am not weak. I am not lethargic. I am not feeble. I will not be backward. I will not be bashful. I will not be intimidated. I will not be the devil's punching bag. I've got the favor of the king. You ought to dance a minute right where you're at. You ought to leap for a minute right where you're at. You got to forgive me for a minute. This ain't in my notes. But he tried to kill my body with sickness, but I'm still here. And he tried to hurt my mind, but I'm still here. He tried to wreck my spirit, but I'm still here. Because I got the favor. I got the favor. I got, and you got the favor of the king. Lift your voice. Come on as loud as you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Find several people, tell them you're not in trouble, you got the king's favor.
Quit getting all bent out of shape. Haman's going to be hanging pretty soon. Here they are, sitting at the banquet, trying to figure out which fork they're supposed to eat the salad with. I got seven forks. Anybody ever get distressed when you got too many forks? Come on, you lie, you fry. You don't know how to use them right. Finally, Xerxes looks at Esther and says what they want to know. Haman's tucked his napkin into his shirt and his collar. He's got it all tucked in. Turkey leg in one hand. Just put in a big old pile of mashed potatoes. Xerxes says, why are we here? I think Haman about choked on the mashed potatoes. When Esther said, don't let Haman kill us. Huh? So he's trying to kill us. He wants to kill all the Jewish people. And if he does, he's going to kill your wife. <laughs> King, you can't let him kill all the people. Can I tell you at some point, even though you might not like confrontation, at some point you got to point out what's bringing destruction to you and your family. At some point, you just got to identify it and call it out. Haman starts running out of the room. Esther runs into the other place. He's pleading with Esther. Please don't let this happen, Esther. When he does, he grabs her. The king walks in and thinks he's making an advance on her. I'm going to tell you. You don't mess away with his bride and get away with it. I got you shouting because of what's about to happen for you. But let me tell you what I also believe is meant to happen to the enemy. I know that we're going to get our heel bruised in the process. But I think it's time to do some head crushing The dawn barely rises before the gallows that had been built for Mordecai have the dead swinging body of Haman. I'm not asking for God to give you a little revival. I'm asking for the king to give you a devil killing, enemy defeating, earth shattering, paradigm shifting, revival to where your enemies, they leave from around you and they get beneath beneath your feet somebody say Haman's gotta die now help me here I don't want you to just now listen I don't want you to just say Haman has got to die I want you to get your best preacher. I want you to act like you're a college student that was screaming into a pillow trying to get a good preacher voice and I want you with your best preacher's voice, I want you to say, Haman has got to die. Now I want you to think about whatever's been working over your family and whatever has been distressing. 
whatever has been distressing your mind and I want you to begin to shout it's time for you to die amen it's time for you to die amen it's time for you to die depression it's time for you to die anxiety it's time for you to die come on it's time for him to swing from the gallows and for God's people to find liberty You are the head and not the tail. Scott, this drunk, wherever you're seated, we are going to plant churches all across North America. We are not going to be intimidated. We are not going to be bashful. I'm going to tell you who's going to plant them. Look around this room right here. We are not weak and we are not average. And we are not scared of Haman anymore. I wish you'd lift your voice and shout. There's something happening in this building. There is a supernatural shifting in the spirit. Be seated. Let me tell you why Haman's got to die. Because I don't just want favor in the house. I don't want just palace promise. I want province promise. I know we can have good church. Woo! I know we know how to have good church. I'm asking if we know how to be the church. Because you are not restricted to the four walls of your sanctuary. And I'm thankful for favor when we gather in our auditoriums and when we gather in our sanctuaries. But I'm talking about the kind of favor that walks with you into your neighborhood and the kind of favor that walks with you into your high school and the kind of favor that walks with you onto your job site. I'm talking about the kind of favor that will go with you every where you put your foot I got favor here I got favor here I got favor here yeah look in the rear view when I look in the rear view I see Haman swinging in the back I got favor here I got favor here everywhere you go somebody shout let it be that kind of favor and I believe that God, let me find this little verse that I think might have just been pinned for North American Youth Congress. Because North American Youth Congress, while it gathers from all different countries, provinces and areas, and North America, the United States, our Canadian brethren, and all of those that join us, it's in chapter 8, verse 17, that it doesn't say, let there be favor in the palace. No, here's what happened. The king took his ring and put his ring that was on Haman's dead finger onto Mordecai's living finger. And he gave more, oh yes he did. 
And he gave Mordecai the authority to begin to write words unto the people. He said, I know you've been doomed and gloomed about restruction, but it's a new season. And it's a new day. All the people that had been overwhelmed, sitting in their homes and in their shacks, gathered all around. I think they were having little prayer meetings and they didn't have James Wilson. I bet they wish they could have. They were sitting around, I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. Children were saying, what's going to happen? We're going to die. No, I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. <laughs> and Mordecai begins to write under the authority of the king. And when he sends it out, he sends it to every city and every province. Please catch this. Please understand that every person in every city and in every province that received the letter that was signed with the signet of the king, it didn't matter if their voice was low or high. It didn't matter if it was male or female. Whenever they started reading the promise of the king, it was as though the king was reading the promise himself. I know you might be 12 years old, but when you read the promise of the king, it's as if the king himself. I know you might be the only apostolic in your family, but when you read the letter from the king, you read it with the authority of the king. And look at this verse, look what starts happening. Eight, verse 17. And in every province, and in every city, all over Canada, all over the United States, and every other place that was willing to get a letter. Whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, Watch this. They had been sorrowful, but the Jews had joy and gladness. Feast and a good day. Here's my favorite part. And many people of the land became Jews for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. They begin to reverence the children of God so much that they begin to say, we need the favor that they have. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna just give it to you right now. That day is not coming, that day is here. That day is not on its way, that day is among us. Revival is not coming down the dusty road. Revival is in us right here and right now. You will win your city. You will reach your school. You will have revival in your family. Somebody whose family isn't living for God, I want you to throw your hands up right now. By the authority of the word of God, I speak to you right now. 
Can I tell you that it is the will of God that you pray without ceasing and you feel the confidence of the Holy Ghost? That day is now when unprecedented revival would reach into your family. I pray it over your father and over your mother and over your sister and over your brother. Let revival hit your family. I want to move, but we need to accept that right now. I want you to lift your voice and begin to accept that in this room. Somebody shout, they were having revival everywhere. They were having revival everywhere. But they found out that Haman had 10 sons still alive. And so they decided we can either rejoice in the fact we're having good church, or while we're having good church, we can also kill all the sin that materializes. We need a good, old-fashioned baptism of conviction. I thank God for the conviction of the elders. But the elder cannot preach for me. When the apostle laid hands on me earlier today, he said, when you walk to that microphone, you preach with boldness. So here it comes, Brother Scott. I'm going to preach with boldness right now. If it was sin, it is sin. If it's wrong in the Word of God, then I do not want it in my life. If he's not pleased with it, I do not want it in my life. If I cannot have his blessing while I'm... Quit asking whether or not it's going to take you to hell and start asking the question, is God pleased with this? It's not about... It's not about just heaven or hell. It's about the favor of the king. It's about a good old-fashioned baptism of conviction. And I'm going to preach to you why for the next few minutes before I close. I thank God for this story. And I thank God for Esther and Xerxes and Mordecai. But hear me tonight. Xerxes is not my king. Kings of the world, they are not our king. Popularity cannot be your king. 
whoever I'm preaching to, young man, hear me right now. I like that you enjoy sports, but basketball cannot be your king. Baseball cannot be your king. Football cannot be your king. I don't think it's the will of God that we have seven to one young ladies going on more missions trip than young men. Young men, I'm calling you to the carpet right now. I'm calling you to the floor right now. Thank God for your college. Thank God for your career. But they cannot be your king. Young ladies, I'm glad you think he's good looking. But he is not your king. And I'm going to go a step further on this first night. If he ain't got the Holy Ghost, he shouldn't be your boyfriend either. We do not date them to win them. I think King's kids ought to be attracted to King's. Why are you preaching like that, Brother Carson? Because nothing in this world can be my king. I've got one king. I got one throne that I got to bow before. I got one throne that I've got to bow before. Well, Brother Carson, that's not going to be popular with some crowds as long as it's popular with heaven. That's not going to get you many friends in some circles. As long as the applause tonight can be nail scarred, I'll know that I have done what I have been commissioned to do. And can I tell you that when I change locations, just like the elder, my convictions cannot change as easy as my geography. Well, you're one way when you're at church and you're another way when it's your Sunday to give a fiery five and, and you're one way when you're supposed to be on the praise team and I'm one way when I'm in the choir, but when I... He's either your king or he's not. But I declare in this room, of this I am confident, we are choosing on the first night of this youth congress, Jesus Christ is my king. Come on, if you feel that way, I want you to lift your voice and I want you to let him know how you feel. Come on, there ought to be a roar. Leave this dome right now. Somebody shout, he is my king. Shout it again, he is my king.
Everybody's looking for something to bow to. Luke 17, 20 and 21. When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Can I tell you that in this world right now, everyone is looking for fulfillment. Everyone is looking for acceptance or popularity. They're bowing to something here. They're worshiping to something there. You may never be rich, but if you're called to be a preacher, don't you stoop to be anything else. Junior hire that thinks I'm not talking to you, Fortnite cannot be your king. Play Fortnite for four hours, but you can't pray for 14 minutes. That's hard preaching, Brother Carson. What are you doing? I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm preaching on behalf of the king tonight. That's telling me we need a fresh baptism of getting everything out of our mind and everything out of our... I know some of you might not like this next day. You might not like this next statement. But just because you can get it on Netflix don't mean you should watch it. Ah, Brother Carson, nobody's going to know. Are you kidding me? The king is going to know. The king is going to know. You're either submitted to him or you're not. And for the next few moments, I want to tell you, I want there to be no confusion about who I am talking about tonight. Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel told Mary, of his kingdom there shall be no end. John the Baptist told, he, told with every messianic kingdom prophesy, prophecy of the Old Testament when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. World. Jesus himself walks on the scene and he begins preaching. You can read about it in Mark 1. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. When teaching the disciples about prayer, you heard it earlier in the video. He said, pray thy kingdom Come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wish somebody lift your hands and pray that right now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But he told Pilate in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. It even hung over his cross that he was the king of the Jews. And I'm going to submit to you tonight that that sign mocked hell more than it mocked Christ. Everybody wants to talk about the mocking that happened to Christ because of that sign. No, it was hell shaking in its boots. One of those messianic prophecies came from Psalm 45 and verse 6. And it was echoed in the Hebrews. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. 
a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom the great writer of the work he also records Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today I want you to say that with me yesterday today say it again yesterday one more time it's happening forever for John the Revelator writes the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and they worship him that liveth forever and ever they cast their crowns their crowns before the throne and this is what they say in the heavenlies thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are created he continued and said I behold lo in the midst of the throne In the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, I saw a lamb as though it had been slain. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. What, what were they saying, John? What were they saying, John? With a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which was in heaven. What's John's revelation? It went beyond just heaven. And on the earth. And under the earth. And even such as are in the sea. I heard them all saying together. Blessing and honor, glory, and power be unto him, not them. Unto him that sitteth on the throne, unto the Lamb forever and ever. Don't be confused in this house. There is one God and his name is Jesus Christ. There is still one Lord. There is still one faith. There is still one baptism. There is one God and Father of all, above all, through all, and in you all. 
I believe that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bottling. And I tell you that there is an authority that comes with having his favor. Ah! There's an authority with his favor. My face was buried in the altar in January of this year. I was seeking God for this meeting. I was in Alexandria, Louisiana because of the times. And I tell you who I was praying for, I was praying for you. I was praying that God would somehow Help me to relay to you what he wanted and what he needed on this first night. I must tell you that I was astounded and even a bit confused when the Lord spoke so clearly to me that night in the altar. He told me these words. If they will not lay down their crowns now, they will not get a chance to lay them down later. I began to study on the crowns. I even went and saw Dr. Norris begin to talk to him about the crowns of Scripture. He began to talk to me about the five crowns of the New Testament. He said, while some may debate, it is extremely clear that the crowns are the crowns of the saints. Those who have made it, who recognize they were not worthy here, and they are not worthy there. But there is one deserving of praise. I speak to you on this opening night and tell you that I believe Esther was a beautiful woman. I believe that she was probably gifted and talented. But her beauty without the king's favor meant very little. Her gifting without the king's favor meant very little. Hadn't she already became the queen? Yeah, she was a part of the bride of the king. But she still had such reverence for the king that she recognized without his favor, my family will die. And I'm preaching to the most gifted generation of apostolic young people and young adults that have ever stood on the face of North America or across the globe. But hear me right now. All of our talent and all of our gifting without the favor of the king means nothing. Nothing. 
I don't want to give a good speech. I don't want to sing a cute song. I want to save the people. I don't want people to sing my accolades. I don't want people to call me something. I want the people to be saved. I thank God that you've got on your Youth Congress best. I thank God that you've dressed the part and that you've showed up and you've worshipped so hard. But I'm telling you, if we don't have the favor of the King, not my, thy kingdom come. If I'm ever going to see my family, not my, die. So hear me clear. I'm not here tonight to preach the message of the Congress. I'm here tonight to give you what the Lord told me this Saturday. The Lord took me to the Gospels and said repentance would have to happen here tonight. And I'm not just talking about sin. I'm talking about everything that's been keeping you from the call of God on your life. I'm talking about every distraction. I'm talking about everything that has been hindering you from doing the will of God and fulfilling the mission of God in your life. The Lord spoke to me on Saturday, so Wednesday night is not going to be about you rejoicing. Wednesday night, I want you to let heaven rejoice. Because the scripture says that all heaven rejoices over one. Over one sinner. Can I tell you that if Paul needed to repent, I need to repent. That if John needed to die out, I need to die out. Can you imagine what would happen in this house over the next two days if we could have so much repentance in this building that all heaven would throw apart? In 2010, in the fight between Cotto and Foreman, it was the trainer for Foreman who threw in a towel. He threw it into the ring in Route 8 after Foreman slipped and took an injury to his right knee. However, due to the shock of so many people that were in attendance, referee Arthur Mercantire Jr., one of the best in the business as he is regarded. He picked up that towel and he threw it out of the ring. In boxing, throwing in the towel is a century old tradition, but it is one of the greatest, if not the greatest misconceptions in sports. That veteran referee said, yeah, I saw the towel come in. And yes, I did throw it back. I threw it back because I'm the referee and that's my right. They don't get to decide when he's done. 
I decide when he's done. He said, I didn't know where the towel came from and I didn't care where it went. Here's what I know, he told reporters. That kid still wanted to fight. And as long as he kept fighting, I could not surrender for him. Over the last 19 years of preaching in your camps, your youth weeks, I have built my ministry on asking you not to surrender to the things of this world. I have done everything in my power to preach to you. Never surrender to the things of the world. But oh, how God has chastised me for this Wednesday night. You better tell them there is one surrender that is non-negotiable. If they're going to have a ministry at all, they got to surrender to my will. Hear me, your corner cannot do it for you. I have sought God for you. I have hid my face in prayer and intercession for you. I have fasted. I have travailed for you. And God has told me, but you cannot surrender for them. I know you want to, but Joshua, you don't get to throw in the towel for them. I'm not letting them surrender while they keep fighting my will. You got mamas and daddies who have tried desperately to throw in the towel for you. You got pastors and prayer warriors and grandparents and youth pastors who did your cause from the corner. But nobody else can give this surrender for you. Young man, young lady, I tell you, it's time to surrender your will for the will of God. Quit worrying about your last name and remember you're a child of the King. Quit being distracted and intimidated by your family tree and remember you're a child of the King. So my concluding assignment tonight, when you walked into this building, you were handed a kingdom come handkerchief. I'm asking everybody that will to get that handkerchief out right now. I want you to get it out of the packaging. I want you to pull it out and I want you to hold it in your hand. Listen to that plastic. It really sounds like, I wish you could hear it from my perspective. It sounds like chains falling all over the room. Whew. 
pastor wants to, but he don't get to throw this towel in for you. Tonight, I'm not asking you to leap. Tonight, I'm not asking you to jump. Tonight, I'm not asking you to rejoice. Tonight, I'm asking you to let heaven rejoice. I'm asking for some young man. I'm asking for some young lady. God, I'm tired of fighting your will. Forgive me of every wrong. If there's anything in my heart that doesn't please you. If there's anything in my mind that doesn't. I'm asking that a well begin to rise from this house. I'm asking everyone that's willing to submit to the call of God. Everyone that's willing to die out to your own flesh tonight. I can't throw in the towel for you. I know a lot of times that our praise is a posture of leaping and a posture of standing. And I know it will be hard for some of you, but some of you need to find a place on your knees. Some of you need to find a place on your face and you need to lay the towel on the ground. I surrender. Let groaning and let travail. I gotta stop fighting the call of God on my life to preach. I gotta stop fighting the call of God on my life for intercession. Come on, your corner can't do this for you. it come on hell hates this right here but heaven is pleased with repentance repent the kingdom of God is at hand 